listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast, where every week we try to create wonderful and interesting conversations with higher ed marketers that we admire for the sake of other higher ed marketers to glean ideas from or just have something in common with. I'm always joined with my co-host, Bart Kaler, and we are talking to James Steen, and he's with Houston Baptist University, and he is going to give us some wonderful tidbits on a transition that they made here recently. Bart, if you can help me explain a little bit about James and what they're doing. Yeah, I think we're going to have a great conversation with James, and uh, I met James a number of years ago at a uh, Council for Christian Colleges and Universities meeting in in Tampa Bay, and uh, he and I got hit it off well and, and had a chance to kind of uh, get to know each other a little bit better, and I've kind of followed him for a couple of years on what he's been doing, and it's been fascinating. I think he's an excellent leader and uh, really kind of looked up to several of his peers, and especially in faith-based Christian higher education. And I know that uh, recently he spoke at a at a conference that I spoke with with uh, NACAP, and so it was uh, great to be a part of that with him. But he um, he's done some very innovative things during his time at HBU, and it uh, it plays out into higher enrollment numbers. And so I really like the fact that sometimes um, doing innovative things and making uh, what might be hard decisions sometimes can really pay off and, and really in the long run create a momentum that, that you can uh, really ride for a while. And one of the conversations that we'll talk about today is the idea of this whole test optional, you know, whether or not uh, you need an ACT or an SAT score to come to college. Uh, it's it's controversial. There's been a lot of conversation on Inside Higher Ed and other industry publications about different aspects of test optional as far as, you know, from a, from a racial equality and, and diversity standpoint to just a pragmatic standpoint within the pandemic. And I think it's uh, interesting to hear James talk about his journey on that, the, on that uh, thought process and uh, the decisions that HBU made this year as it related to that and, and how HBU is a kind of an interesting place as far as diversity too. So it's going to be some really good conversations to, uh, to hear from James. Yes, he's a smart individual and a very engaging conversationalist. And it's time for us to bring him into the conversation. We're excited to welcome James Steen, Vice President of Enrollment Management at Houston Baptist University to the show. Welcome, James. Thank you so much for having me, Troy. I appreciate it. James, if you could please tell us about your role at Houston Baptist. Absolutely. So... I've been at Houston Baptist University for almost 15 years now, and uh, before that, I was at Baylor University for a little over 13 years, and I I, I describe myself as basically a a recovering admissions counselor. I started way back when, right out of college. I was a tour guide whenever I was a student at Baylor and would drop families off uh, over at the admissions office. So when I was graduating and had no idea what I was going to do after graduation, I thought I could I could get one of those admissions counselor jobs and do that for 
a year or two and then go get a real job, right? So 28 years later, here I am, and uh, I'm, I'm still a recovering admissions counselor. <laughs> That's great. James, I don't think I've ever met a, a, a small girl or boy who says, I want to be a, you know, a vice president for enrollment when I grow up sometimes. So exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's not one of those jobs that you start and you say, that's, that's my career path, but uh, no, that's it's, exciting. It's, it's definitely not on the top 10 list, is it? <laughs> so, um, you know, when we first uh, kind of started talking a little bit about uh, this podcast, James, I know you and I have known each other for a few years and, and uh, we reached out to you and said, Hey, let's, let's kind of talk a little bit about what's going on at Houston Baptist and, um, in the pre-interview, you kind of talked about a number of things, but one of the interesting topics that, that I found, um, especially in light of, of what's happened in the last year, 18 months with, with COVID and the pandemic, um, is just the, just this journey and, and maybe the success that Houston Baptist has um, after you made the decision to go test optional. And I know a lot of people are aware of that. Um, I just like to talk a little bit about that because, I mean, we have a lot of different people on the uh, listening to the show. Some people might s- totally understand what's going on, what why you made that choice. Other people might be like, "What's test optional?" Tell us a little bit about what went into that uh, topic, what went into that decision for HBU, and and uh, where you guys are on that. Yeah, thanks, Bart. That's a good question, and I know I'll I'll qualify my um, my stance on test optional by saying, you know, probably five or six years ago, I wrote a paper. Uh, when I was working on my doctorate, just about uh, the whole uh, test optional process in general, and I really took the stance in that in that paper, arguing that it's it's not necessarily the the problem is not necessarily with the test uh, as much as it is with our admissions policies, right? So, um, where where is the 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 SAT or the ACT? Certainly, standardized testing is is certainly biased uh, in favor of some versus others. As long as the stance I took was as long as as we as enrollment managers, as directors of admission, as long as we're you know able to uh, have policies that are fair and equitable. It's not necessarily the test that's the problem. So that was the argument that I took several years ago. So so I didn't necessarily go into uh, the pandemic or, or go into 2020 with this whole mindset that test optional was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I'm, I've kind of, I'm coming out of this crazy COVID year that we've had really as a convert if you will, to test optional. And I think for for us, for HBU especially, it, it really has been a game changer. And I and I'll also say too, we're we're HBU, Houston Baptist University is a is a really unique institution. It's not your typical private or Baptist university. We're majority Hispanic with well over 42, 43% of our freshmen are Hispanic. We're about 21, 22% African-American. We're about 19, 20% wide and, and even, you know, 10 to 12% Asian. So it's a really, really diverse institution. So we didn't necessarily need to go test optional to help more students of color access HBU. We, that, that was not the impetus. We, we really made that switch because we had to. Literally, students were, were not able to take standardized tests. They, they did not have SAT or ACT scores readily available. So we really just did it as a strategic decision 
uh, much like everybody else did. And I know we can uh, we can dig into the numbers a little bit further, but but I would say for us at HBU, it really really has been a game changer. That's great, and and I guess just out of curiosity, since since we're talking to a lot of marketers on this podcast, mm-hmm. how did you end up kind of communicating that and, and really kind of selling that as a benefit um, for HBU? Because I mean, not everybody's doing that. And certainly there's various reasons why people might go test optional. I mean, certainly yeah. a lot of it's the right thing to do as far as diversity and, and accessibility for, uh, for, for different, uh, different groups. But, but I, I think that, you know, the pandemic caused some things, but how did you end up kind of communicating that and, and how did that become part of the marketing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good question. We, you know, from from our perspective, um, you know, as you said, we didn't necessarily go into it trying to increase our diversity. Um, and, and I will say there there are very legitimate reasons to do that. I know a lot of institutions have had success doing that even prior to the pandemic. And, and I think it's important you know, to note as well on the back end that 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 institutions that go test optional their their mean SAT or mean ACT goes up, right? Because those with lower test scores tend not to self-report. Those with higher test scores do continue to provide test scores and go that route, if you will. And and we've we've seen all of those things happen at HBU this year as well. But I think we really went into it with the message that we understand what you're going through. We understand that there are problems and issues. There's limited access to standardized testing. And so we want to do whatever we can to make HBU and this admissions process as accessible to you as possible. And 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 quite frankly, I think the the, the marketing of test optional in, in a lot of ways has almost become ubiquitous. So I, I don't know many institutions who have really you know, planted a, uh, you know, a stake in the ground and said, we're not budging. This is our policy come hell or high water. I think really all of us, uh, at least every enrollment manager that I know, had to make some hard decisions or or change their processes in terms of test optional, in, in, in terms of how to get this class, this 2021 class in the door. So I don't want to say it sold itself, but it, but it certainly was not a hard sell, if you will, from a marketing perspective. Yeah, that's great. And from what from what I understand, what you've said is that it 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 was not an impediment to building your class. And I think that's probably an important thing is that sometimes when we're looking at these things, trying to make decisions about how things move forward, it's like what's going to hurt you versus what could help you if you move those things. Exactly, exactly. And I think in in doing that, we've now um, in some ways created an expectation, at least externally, um, that this is going to be the new norm. And I think it'll be interesting to see over the next several years how many institutions go back to requiring an SAT or an ACT, how many institutions continue to have test optional as, as, a, as one of their admissions policies. And I think um, not, not to speak for uh, the, uh, the administration at Houston Baptist University, I think, I think for the short run, we are very happy remaining test optional. And I think there, there's even you know, several more ways to leverage that in the future. If I recall correctly in our earlier conversation, test, and op- test optional, certainly, as you said, the higher scores tend to self-report. You still require uh, scores for merit 
awards. Is that correct? <clears throat> that is not correct. So okay. we actually, yeah. So we we started the year, um, you know, with this with this big question mark of okay, what are we going to do about those who are admitted under test optional? Uh, that don't have a test score because obviously merit awards were so so integral to that process. So we literally came up um, with an entirely new process for awarding merit. And and I'll be honest, it was it was a little touch and go. We we certainly ran numbers. We we worked with uh, RNL to come up with you know a formulation for our scholarship and merit awarding that we thought could work with test optional and and in doing that the the tricky thing was our uh, our acceptance letters uh, actually double as a as a scholarship or merit award so it's congratulations Bart you're accepted to Houston Baptist University and you've been awarded the XYZ scholarship so 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 we we couldn't even get an acceptance letter out until we figured this process out and 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 the the interesting thing was is we uh, we did have some tweaks uh, along the way with the formula that we were using for test optional, but but in the in the grand scheme of things, if if you think of uh, your admit pool as kind of a bell curve with you know you know those at the top and the bottom, and then everybody in the middle kind of formula forming a a nice pretty bell curve. So far, we'll we'll see what it looks like once we get to census date and how you know the the final yield comes in. But so far, we've been able to maintain that nice, pretty bell curve, if you will, even with our merit award distribution. So so that was something at the beginning of the year. I would have told you there's no way we can do a merit award without a without a test score, right? But we've been able to even pivot and figure out a way to do that going forward. That's great. That's great. And then I guess one final question about the test optional before we move on. Is there any place in the funnel that you saw a, a, a greater increase in in results because of this this new mm-hmm. approach? I mean, was it was it the applications? Was it the admits? Was it the deposits? I mean, where in the funnel did that kind of play itself out? Yeah. So I think that was the thing that was the 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 most exciting and the biggest surprise to us. So at the top of the funnel, um, for 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 those who you know don't know the funnel, um, you know you've got your inquiries and your applicants. So our inquiries and applicants year over year were down about seven percent. Um, so when when your applications are down seven percent, you you certainly don't expect to be up at the bottom of the funnel. However, because of test optional, uh, our application completion rate. Uh, is literally up year over year about 10 points better. So we're able to complete more applications, even though we had fewer of them. And my acceptance rate, I was able to accept more. So my acceptance rate year over year is up about 10 points. So, so, so you do the compounding of that. So even though we're down on applications, I'm able to complete more and admit more at a higher rate because of test optional. So we, we literally have 27% more um, admits this year than we did last year. And, and currently at the bottom of the funnel, we're sitting on 24% more deposits this year versus last year. And I think the, the exciting thing is, is you know, a, a lot of us, I think, and, and I was just on an EAB call the other day and about 2% uh, nationally, you know, of, of all uh, institutions, their their data was showing that deposits were up nationally about two percent. 
And that's as, as compared to last year. Well, a lot of us were down on deposits last year. So really, if you go back to 2019 and compare this year versus 2019, we're still up on deposits. And, and because of, I mean, I'm, I'm literally giving credit to this new test optional policy because of this, this new test optional policy, we're, we're going to enroll uh, far and away a, a record number of freshmen this fall, which, of course, we're thrilled about. Well, con- congratulations on that. And, and I guess one of the takeaways that I, I'm listening to from a, from a marketing standpoint, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but would you say that the test optional decision, obviously there's a lot of things that went into that, but you removed one piece of friction for a student being able to get enrolled to Houston Baptist mm-hmm. University. I often talk to my clients and people about removing friction from the students' engagement. You know, whether we on the RFI form, if we're asking way too many questions and they just decide mm-hmm. that I can't, I can't complete this. This is crazy. Um, anywhere we can remove r- friction, it helps kind of smooth it and, and keep it forward. It sounds to me like you know, there's a lot of factors involved, but maybe there was a little bit of friction in that, you know, I've got to gather my scores. I've got to gather everything for my application. Do you think that maybe that was part of the, what increased your application completion rate? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's all of the above and we're, we're even, you know, good marketers are, are obviously good about doing research and market analysis where we're we're trying to do a a survey uh, of this incoming class to really understand the why behind you know uh, some of these numbers and some of these metrics that we're experiencing but 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 I do think as as enrollment managers um, and, and I you use the word friction I use the word barriers I think we have to be, very intentional about removing barriers, right? And and so 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 the argument to be made is, you know, if if you don't have to have an application fee, then then why do you have one? Or or one of my mentors, Bill Royal, uh, used to say the only reason to have an application fee is if you're willing to waive it, right? And and I think there are really good reasons to have an application fee, but but if you don't have to have an application fee, do you really, you know, should you have one? It, right. it becomes a barrier to entry, right? So you can you can ask those things about every, you know, every different stage of the funnel and certainly in the application process. If you don't have to require a test score, then should you? And and I think I think especially after experiencing uh, just some of the incredible success that we've had this year, I think. The answer for us is no, we don't have to do that. And I think if we're going to do it, we're going to go all in. And, and one of the things that we're, we're looking at even for next year uh, is, this, is this idea of do no harm. And, and if an applicant comes in and maybe checks the I want to go traditional route or checks the test optional route, if for some reason they submit a test score and, and maybe they're not admissible with that test score, but they would be admissible under a test optional review process, or or the other the other scenario could be, or what if um, a student who comes in on the traditional route maybe would qualify for a lower scholarship than they would if they were test optional, right? So a do no harm policy would say it doesn't matter what what methodology you choose right. when you apply. We're we're gonna we're gonna do no harm, right? We're gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. And if it's if it's best for you to go the traditional route or if it's best for you to go test optional, that's how we're going to consider you for admission and or 
awards your merit scholarship. So, so I think that's how we're uh, researching and really looking into how to make this even better going forward next year. That's great. And I liked what you said about, you know, what, what uh, Royal said about the idea of, of, you know, if you need a, if you don't need a, a fee, don't, don't charge one. I'm sure though that some people on campus, when it comes to test optional, especially academics and faculty would say, actually, that is something that's required. It's something that we need because, yes. you know, for whatever reason they, they have their belief. How did you deal with that? Cause I'm sure that came up. It did. It did. And, and I think, um, and just talking to colleagues, you know, in, in, in different uh, areas of the country and at, at other institutions, it's, it is so true. I think that, you know, if faculty want to know that the students they're teaching in the classroom are qualified to be there. And I think we had to do a lot of, a lot of homework with, with data in terms of looking at studies and research that showed really GPA and, and high school rank and these other metrics that we can get from a high school transcript that's literally based on three or four years as opposed to a standardized test score that's based on three or four hours truly is a better predictor. So when, when we made the decision to go test optional, we had to, we had to sell it or market it externally, but yeah. we also had to sell it internally too yeah. and, and, and convince faculty uh, that this student that we're considering through this new holistic review process really is not only going to be a good fit, uh, but is going to be a contributor, is going to be successful yeah. in the classroom. So, so it really is kind of a both-and approach. We, yes, we had to market it externally, but but we did have to do some work uh, internally to convince faculty. And and again, we'll 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 know when it comes to fall spring, you know, what our fall to spring retention is, and we're going to be very very uh, methodical about going through the data and making sure the decisions that we made were the right ones. That's, that's fascinating. That's great. And I love the fact that it takes internal marketing sometimes as much as it takes external. So I want to pivot really quick before we kind of close up and everything and just talk a little bit. At the very beginning, you talked about HBU and some of the diversity issues. And I just wanted to kind of touch base on that because I think that, um, you know, it's naturally occurred on your campus with, with diversity because of your location. And, um, but, but I think that many schools struggle to, to build diversity. And, um, you know, and, I, and we've talked to a couple of different guests about that. And I've been in situations where, you know, people have actually said, can you do some marketing so that we have more diverse students come in? And I, and I look at their, you know, staff and faculty page and I'm like, well, you probably need to have more people who are diverse on your staff before you actually can market more people. Cause that's what, that's what they're going to look for. That's what anybody's going to look for is, am I going to fit in here? And if they go to your website and they don't see that they're going to fit in, I don't mm -hmm. care how much marketing that I do. I'm just curious what you think about that. Is that, is, I mean, certainly you've been naturally blessed to have that where you are. And I mm -hmm. think it brings a richness to the community, but tell me about, you know, what, what your, what your advice is. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're absolutely correct. Bart, and you, you've hit the nail on the head that it really does matter who we hire. And, and, and I really, it, we, we don't have a, you know, a, a specific, you know, metric that we're trying to hit in terms of hiring policies, but I do have a very diverse team working for me. And so when, you know, when prospective students uh, come to campus when they go to our admissions page. You know when when they're uh, when they're visiting, they they see lots of students of color, and they see 
admissions counselors from from many different backgrounds. And and so uh, it's it's sometimes it's a challenge, right, to to really uh, try to connect with everybody uh, and and find that institutional fit with everybody. But I think it absolutely uh, begins with and and hiring your, your hiring policies uh, are so, 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 so critical. That's great. That's great. I, I'm glad that you shared that with us and, and uh, that that's what you've found as well. So great. James, you've been so generous with your wisdom, but Bart and I are greedy. And <laughs> every week we ask our guest, uh, if there's an additional idea or something that you've come across that would be an idea worth sharing to your colleagues that may be listening to the show, if you could share that, please, and anything that's top of mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Troy. I think w- one of the things that, um, you know, this, this, this COVID-19 pandemic, I think, has taught us more than anything, and, and I think this is true for all of us, in a sense, is that we, we we have to fly the plane, and I'm kind of borrowing that that quote from the movie Sully, and you know it's it's hard to go wrong with a with a Clint Eastwood directed movie that that Tom Hanks is starring in, right? It's just hard to go wrong with a movie like that, and it's a true story. Um, but but you know when everything is blowing up, when everything is going wrong, you still have to fly the plane, right? And I think that's true. For all of us, whether we're enrollment managers, whether we're, you know, chief academic officers, whether we're chief financial officers, whether we're in marketing or, or wherever we are, during a pandemic, we, we still have to fly the plane, right? During, during a hurricane, we, we've had two hurricanes at HBU since I've been here. We still have to fly the plane, right? We may be underwater. We may be without power. Um, we, we may be all Zooming from home and, and having to figure out how to do things virtually. But ultimately, you know, we're still called to do everything that we're supposed to do. And so regardless of what's happening, you know, we still have to figure out how to fly the plane. James, that's wonderful and brilliant. And you did a great job of bringing this episode down for a landing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, if someone would like to reach you, what's the best way for them to do so? Absolutely. You can ping me or connect on LinkedIn. You can certainly shoot me an email. At, it's just first initial last name, Steen at hbu.edu. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you, James. Bart, before we depart, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, I really appreciate everything you said, James. And I just, sometimes I like to just kind of summarize a couple key points for everyone to kind of think about. I think that uh, a lot of what James talked about, and one of the key points I wanted to kind of point out is that a lot of times when you're making decisions and and, and making change, um, you know, removing the barriers and then being able to communicate that to the prospective students is very important. I think marketing that and, and explaining that sometimes. I'm a big believer that even if you're, you know, on your on your application page or even as you're getting ready to start the application, explain to them what they're getting ready to do. Explain to them how it's going to work. Remove any barriers of them wanting to just jump because they're overwhelmed. But I think the other thing that I really wanted to point out is that just how HBU really took and had to do some internal marketing. And I think sometimes we forget about that. I think that we're so busy and focused as marketers. And sometimes we're in small, small offices where we don't have 
you know, we're overwhelmed already with the amount of work that we need to do. But I think that sometimes when big major changes are happening, especially in the enrollment office, being able to communicate that internally will save a lot of political headache and heartache later on. And so I think it's so important to kind of think about how do we make sure that our messaging is going both ways, both internally and externally. So I really appreciate, you know, you pointing that out, James, and and that's just kind of a key takeaway I want everybody to think about. Absolutely. Well said, Bart. And thank you both for a wonderful episode. To all of our listeners, we just want to remind you that the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education, marketing, and branding agency, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution, printing, and mailing provider of higher ed solutions. On behalf of the co-host, Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.